0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know, Amazon? Think again. Did you know you can get a seasonal warehouse job offer today? You don't even need to interview. That means you can make extra cash before the holidays. You can even pick your own payday and seasonal jobs can lead to full-time, regular employment. You'll be amazed by what you can get as an Amazon Warehouse Associate. To learn more about all the benefits of working a seasonal job at Amazon, go to amazon.com hourly. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer.
1: everybody, And welcome back to the Advanced analytic or Sports Analytics Show presented by Roto Grinders. I'm your host, Travis Mangone, here back with the one, the only Brandon Adams, but also we have a guest, Stuart Gibson. We'll kick it off with Stuart first. Stuart, how's it going over there? The new guy.
2: Hey, what's up, man? Uh, doing good. Uh, looking forward to week two. Um... Yeah, enjoying the show. You guys did a great job last week and uh, excited to be a part of it this week.
1: Yep, happy to have you there and happy to have you back, Brandon, to talk some more sports. Uh, we'll go to Brandon Adams. Uh, how's it going over there, man? Happy to have you back for another week talking some NFL action.
3: Yeah, love it. Love it. I'm ready for week two.
1: Now, real quick, how about Brandon, How about you introduce our guest, Stuart? Because I got to meet him, do a little Skype call, uh, find out all of the cool things he's doing over there at Advanced Sports Analytics. Uh, give me some of the details on Stuart or, or you can have Stuart say some stuff if you want.
3: Stuart has been uh, one of the greatest collaborators that I've ever known. He um, he came to me through a friend, uh, a Harvard undergrad, who was a close friend of mine. Um, and my Harvard undergrad friend said, Stuart's an exceptional talent. I don't really have something for him to do. You should meet him. I met him and realized he was really deep into sports analytics and I was running uh, the Advanced Sports Analytics site. I suggested maybe he could work part-time on that. And uh, we've been doing that together for uh, three about three years. <laughs> it's yeah, been a long time. Uh, or well, feels like a long time for me. Uh, but,
2: yeah. No, no I'm happy to be on the show. And, yeah, it's been good work we've done with ASA. And uh, really excited with what we've done to date. And uh, even more excited for what we're going to do uh, moving forward. So.
1: Yes, I'm really excited for the show. Excited to be talking some week one action or week two action with you guys. But first we are going to talk some week one stuff. Uh we'll kick it off with you first, Stuart. How's that sound? We're gonna to to do some week one review. So uh, what are some of the takeaways from week one?
2: Yeah, I mean I, I uh was going back and just kind of looking at what I did week one, trying to I think it's important to just evaluate like what I did well, what I didn't do well, um, and I don't know, try to continue what I am doing well and learn from what I didn't do well and uh I think week one was like a really important running back week. Uh, There were a lot of good values in play and um, I don't know. I mean, I think running back's like a position where I'm always trying to focus on volume. I mean, find the guys who are going to give me as many touch opportunities per dollar. But uh, I mean, I think there were a number of guys you could have gone with in week one uh, along those lines. And for me, I was really diligent about separating between the efficiency of running backs. I mean, I think, uh, there was a slot of about uh, like six running backs or so between, uh, you know, Eckler and Carson and Fournette, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I even, I like really liked Mark Ingram coming in and, um, and Chubb as well. And I don't know, I've kind of found myself off like Chubb and Fournette on account of just their uh, efficiency, uh, like low efficiency. And I mean, I think that played out well. So I don't know if that's just like, grasping to a single kind of week and trying to run with that or not. But uh, I don't know. I definitely like moving forward, want to not overlook per touch efficiency when looking at the running back position um, and kind of trying to find that balance of like guys who do have good volume, but, but also not losing the sight of uh, how efficient running backs are. I mean, I think Fournette coming into the week uh, just sh- showed as a guy who just wasn't very efficient per touch. And like, maybe you could expect that efficiency to go up uh with an expanded role in the past game but um i don't know i just like wasn't seeing it and i guess fortunately was was off for net and cash um but i do kind of want to continue to strive for not just going with the guys who are going to get the most touches but also look for uh, that right mix of like volume and efficiency and um yeah i found our tools very useful in doing that uh, trying to look at running back efficiency
1: Yeah, it was one of those weeks where a lot of people were playing the elite running, or not the elite running backs, but the mid-tier running backs, I guess you could say. But they were still elite value, right? That's kind of where I was going with that. So, um, yeah, they were elite value plays. A lot of people played those 6K running backs. And Christian McCaffrey, I think, on any other week would have had a lot higher ownership, and he absolutely smashed. Still had some pretty decent ownership, though. Uh, Brandon, what did you kind of think of the week one review? Uh, You know, Are some of those running backs in that 6K range like that got priced up? Are we still going to go to them? Are they still too cheap? What did you think of the week one review of how the first week
3: Well, I thought week one was fairly interesting. It was uh, quite chalky. Cash was a real equity grind down. The best teams tended to win. Uh, Tournaments were very interesting. I mean, in tournaments, you always have a trade-off between equity, picking the players that have the best projected fantasy points per dollar, and differentiation, trying to pick players with low ownership. Generally speaking, when you have a tournament that's super top heavy, like perhaps the Millionaire Maker, you want to emphasize differentiation because maybe one third of the prize pool is going to first place. It's very important to have a a unique lineup, whereas in a tournament like the Wildcat, where there's a strong first prize, but there's also a lot for down the ladder, you you can emphasize equity a little bit more. Um, And I found it to be a very interesting week where in the Millionaire Maker, your top 100 lineups tended to be very unique lineups, very strange lineups. But then um, most of the lineups just below that tended to be quite close to the cash lineup. So in in the Wildcat, you would have done well by just playing small deviations from the cash lineup, most of your most of your lineups would have cashed because it was the type of week where maybe the top 10 lineups in the wildcat were quite strange, but then just behind that, you had something close to, to your cash lineups.
1: Yeah. It totally felt like that type of week. So uh, it was definitely really interesting. Is there any like takeaways that you have from like the week watching stuff like, are you a believer in John Ross now? Uh, You know, uh, what other takeaways from watching the games uh, or anything else DFS related to it? Did you say?
2: Honestly, I wasn't getting to watch too many of the games. I was on a flight from Tennessee back to New York. Um, found myself watching some of the Cleveland-Tennessee game at the airport. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't get to watch too much of the uh, Sunday games. Did tune in for the Monday games. So, I don't know. I'm not sure they're going to be much help uh, in terms of uh, Sunday game takeaways uh, from, like, a viewership
1: standpoint. What about you, Brandon? What else do you have? Any other kind t- of takeaways from week one?
3: Yeah, so I'm also I'm a big believer in the eyeball test, but this particular Sunday I had uh multiple conflicts, my brother's my brother's birthday celebration and a couple other things. So uh yeah, I I'm a huge believer in the eyeball test, but it it we'll have to wait for week 2 and onwards. We yeah.
2: it, we are a data driven uh anal- you know uh DFS outfit, so uh I you know perhaps our uh like not watching the games maybe aligns with kind of our credo um you know looking at the numbers and not the uh, but no I'm kidding I, I do think like you know looking watching the games uh, I think makes a lot of sense but it's kind of funny that neither of us were uh, tuned into the games uh I sort days. of I
3: felt like I sort of watched the games because I've I've listened to Pete and and all of these guys talk about them quite a lot so I have I have my views secondhand
1: yeah, I watched what I could. I was at the DraftKings like kickoff bash and my friends picked the worst seat you could find. And we could only watch Eagles Jets for the first game. So that's all I got to watch. I couldn't watch Red Zone. It was so infuriating being at the there watching just two games and not being able to watch Red Zone. I was looking at stuff on my phone. But in the second uh for the second games, I moved my seat and I got to watch the uh more of the red zone and get to see uh, what happens. So got to get a better look at those games. And man, uh, man, the Chris Carson usage was crazy. That's a guy that I'm just gonna be riding that that price until it goes all all the way up. So uh, let's dive into some other things. Let's talk about some new coaching staffs. And uh, Stuart, uh, talk about what you saw with the new coaching staffs. What are some things that you noticed?
2: So, yeah, um, I think there are a number of interesting new coaching staffs around the league. And uh, I was pretty interested to see you know how they were perform in regular season our models do attempt to project uh week one usage and kind of tendencies for these new coaches based on what they do in the preseason but um yeah i mean i think that's always tough to do and you know sometimes you don't know what co- like what coaches do in the preseason might not dictate what they do in the regular season um but yeah i got some notes on like a couple coaching staffs i was really paying attention to i think most notably like cliff P- clink Cliff Kingsbury and what he's going to do in Arizona, I think is really top of mind for people. Um, I don't know, I came in a bit of a uh, skeptic on you know his claims of just running this uh, Texas Tech like spread offense where they're just going to be go, go, go. but uh, I don't know to be honest, I, I feel like he kind of delivered. I mean he, he the Cardinals ran 443 uh, air yards in regulations so, and you know discounting uh, any, any extra you know air yards they got in overtime um that you know puts him I mean that's in rarefied air I mean guys like uh Monkin, who were just praising as air yards uh beasts are you know in the high threes so I mean to see Cliff Kingsbury and his offense put up that much uh passing volume and kind of downfield volume uh I don't know I mean some people kind of saw coming I, I was a little surprised by um we saw the, the Dolphins coaching staff run very, uh, air yards, heavy offense. I don't know that we can really trust that that much, just given the way that game was going. I mean, so early in the game they got forced into a pass heavy and deep pass heavy offense. Um, so I don't know we'll, we'll kind of see what, what comes out of that, but I'm not like too, uh, you know, eager to take up what we saw with Miami's coaching staff, uh, as, as gospel. Um, one offense that really stood out to me um, was uh, the new coaching staff in Cincinnati. Um, didn't really know exactly what we were going to get from Zach Taylor, who's done some offensive coordinator work um, and new OC Brian Callahan, but uh, they put up uh 381 air yards, a very uh, respectable and, and, you know, kind of high, uh, high total. So they're looking like a team that really may, um, you know, moving forward. And we saw Andy Dalton uh, crushed uh, and, and as you mentioned, John Ross crushed as well. Um, yeah, it's a team to keep an eye on. I mean, I think uh, that game was more reasonable than Arizona or Miami, and maybe we can be more trusting in what we're seeing there. Um, new OCs that tended to be very run heavy, and I think kind of in line with what their head coaches were saying they're going to do. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, 77% of uh, their plays they were running. Uh, just absolutely insane. And um, I don't know. I, I definitely think for me it puts a damper on expectations for guys like Thielen or Diggs. Um and then Tennessee they brought in Arthur Smith as their new OC. Uh Mike Vrabel been a very run heavy coach in his early stages at Tennessee. Uh that continued with Smith who was running the ball forty four percent of the time. Granted they were ahead. Uh and yeah, just I mean, running low A dot, uh, you know, just over five yards per target. Uh, you know, these are offenses that I think to me I, I trust moving forward will kind of be what we saw in week one, uh short passes. Lots of runs. Uh, could be a good opportunity for Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. Uh, might tamper some expectations for Thielen Diggs, guys like Corey Davis, um, etc.
1: Brandon, how about you? We saw, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, kind of like Stuart said. I mean, they told us they were going to run the ball. And Mike, Mike Zimmer said, you know, we're going to pound the rock, right? And, like he's all about it. Uh, I don't know if you caught that, but that was absolutely crazy. That was one of my big takeaways for sure. Uh, I don't know how excited we can get about the, about the passing attack from Minnesota. But what are some takeaways that you saw, Brandon?
3: Yeah, so uh, one thing I think is very notable about week two is that we've talked about Miami being high on the, on the pass and Arizona being high on the pass. These are teams that are very penalized by the betting market. Uh, for week two, we have a spread of 13, plus 13 for Arizona against Baltimore, and plus 18 and a half for Miami at home uh i mean these are these are sort of insane spreads um new england amazing team doesn't travel that well miami beat them last year miami at home 18 and a half a true outlier i mean we know what happened last week but that that is a very high number and 13 against baltimore is a high number so uh I don't know. We had a discussion last week, Travis, where you were all about the three running back builds and I was making the case for the four wide receiver builds. And uh, running back carried the day yet again for week one. Um, maybe, maybe there has been a true change in the NFL and these, and these betting markets are saying, well, you want to pass a lot? We don't think that's going to work. So, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm taking a little bit of a wait-and-see approach there.
1: Yeah, no, I think the one thing you brought up, though, last week that definitely hit was, like, these, you know, wide receiver ones that absolutely pop. And, like, Sammy Watkins, I mean, he wasn't a wide receiver one there. He ended up being a two, but he turned into the one throughout the game. I guess maybe he did that a little before the Tyree kill injury. I forget when the injury happened. But we just saw, like, these receivers just pop off for the big games, like right? those ceiling games that you really don't see as much. And, like, a guy like Sammy Watkins getting a 50 fantasy point per, like, Game, that's absolutely crazy to see from a guy like Sammy Watkins, right? It's not shocking to see Christian McCaffrey do it, or like a Julio Jones, but for a Sammy Watkins, it's just crazy. But he is in that amazing offense in Kansas City where they get tons and tons of points. So
3: uh, sure, and and the difference between a wide receiver and a running back, for the most part, is that they can break off high teens on a play. And that was a lot of the discussion last week. Uh, this week, I think McCaffrey will be chalky and at his price. He's a terrible tournament play. He's a terrible big field tournament.
0: Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.
2: He's playing right now uh, against Tampa Bay, so he'll be off a slate. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Yes. If you're
1: playing the Thursday, Monday, but if you're, if you listen to this and playing the Thursday, Monday, I mean, he already locked in
3: who knows what's going to happen.
1: I got him on showdown. So Brandon, I hope he's not a terrible play. I hope he uh, is the best play in the game. Are
3: are we not doing like Thursday through Mondays anymore? Is it all, is it all gone showdown? I haven't paid attention to the Thursdays. I, late. I,
1: haven't, I haven't entered the Thursday Mondays, but the action is not as good. Uh, I'm going to enter next week, so I will report back to you next week. Uh, I forgot to enter. It was too late, and I realized today I did not do it. But uh, I will definitely be getting back uh, into that. So, uh, you know, got to wait.
3: It's worth noting that at Advanced Sports Analytics, we have two types of uh, distributions that we keep on an ongoing basis. One is – the distribution for each player of just fantasy points. And another is fantasy points per dollar per salary dollar. And the distribution of fantasy point performances is more condensed for running backs in general. There's a lot more volatility for wide receivers. Um, and the distribution of fantasy points per dollar is likewise more spread out for wide receivers, more condensed for running backs. So. What tends to happen is when you have a wide receiver like McCaffrey who's priced super high, um, they really they don't have access to the kind of fantasy point-per-dollar performances that you need to win the very big field tournaments. I mean, it, it did happen last, last week, but this week, even the difference of $800 in salary, the plus $800, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it, but it is a lot in terms of your access to the, the crazy high fantasy points per dollar.
1: All right. Stuart, do you have anything else uh, to talk about with the new coaching staff changes, anything else that you haven't touched on that you want to talk about?
2: Yeah. I mean, I also got a note on Kellen Moore. Uh, We saw a very balanced um, approach from Kellen Moore and I can pull up kind of our uh, historic metrics on, uh, let's see, I guess, offensive coordinators. Um, when you see Kellen Moore, though, uh, you know, throwing doing a very balanced approach, uh, about 50 50 split between run and pass. I mean, it was a pretty lopsided game, uh, but in the plays that he was passing, I mean, he was pushing it downfield. Uh, that 9.4 uh, a dot ranks pretty high among uh, you know, active OCs that that we're looking at. And um, you know, I do think uh, if we can find opportunities to play Dallas in uh, more neutral game environments where maybe Dallas uh, might be less likely to abandon that pass early. I think that's a really interesting opportunity. Uh, A lot of buzz about Kellen Moore and kind of what that's going to do for Dak Prescott and uh, added, you know, options like Randall Cobb and the improvement of Michael Gallup. Uh, Very interested to see kind of what that offense is going to do moving forward. And, uh, you know, they got Washington this week, uh, expected to be a lopsided game, but definitely looking to uh, capitalize on that Dallas offense and, you know, the downfield, uh, mindset that Kellen Moore brings uh, when we can find them in more neutral game environments. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Dallas, they, they looked really good. Uh, Again, it's one game, right? You don't overreact. Like of course the Patriots look good and they absolutely dominate, but we don't want to overreact to too many things. Uh, Anything else, uh, Brandon, you want to touch on? You want to talk about our next segment?
3: Yeah, let's move on to the next segment. Uh, Just, just want to note real quick that uh, we did notice the Arizona pass heavy offense. Christian Kirk is a great tournament play. Um, he has the kind of distribution that can win tournaments, and the playing from behind, pass-heavy offense will really suit him this week. All righty, let's go on to
1: reality or mirage. Uh, and uh, Stuart, this is a good segment here. I like to kind of we get to talk about all the plays that are they real plays or are they just fake plays? You know what I mean? Like, uh, can we believe it? Uh, so, Stuart, how about you kick us off? Some, what are some of the reality and mirage plays that you saw this week that we need to discuss about?
2: I mean I'm hesitant to make heavy commitments one way or the other but I mean I think the guy we ultimately have to start this conversation with is Lamar Jackson. I mean we saw him pop off in a huge way uh on Sunday and you know year two quarterback I think there's a lot of uncertainty as far as uh how big of a step forward he'll be taking if he'll be st- taking a step forward at all. Um I mean some things that I'm looking at with Jackson are are just his uh efficiency metrics. So I mean his passing efficiency uh, fantasy points per dropback on Sunday were insane, and I mean, whatever step forward he's potentially taken, I just don't see how that's sustainable for him. Um, I think, uh, once this our tool loads up, I mean, the fantasy points per dropback that he showed on Sunday were like 3x, I think, uh, anything we've seen from him in previous weeks, and I mean, I don't know, whatever step forward he's taking, I just can't see how that's going to be a sustainable. Um, I'm sorry, this is our drop, uh, QB drop back app. Um, I just don't see how that type of efficiency is going to be sustainable for him. Um, so I can pull up kind of the graphic here, uh, just showing, uh, let's see, let me pull this out of the way. Um, you know, I, I, I so so yeah, I, I, I can't... Um, I can't see him really maintaining uh, the efficiency level that he he displayed. I mean, so we're looking at here, here's where he did Sunday, just an insane level of efficiency uh, per drop back compared to what we've seen in previous weeks. Uh, I just can't see him pulling that off. Um, However, he, I mean, also, you know, in the past has shown a really high propensity uh, to scramble and uh, you know, produce points with his legs, which he didn't show at all on uh, Sunday. He didn't take a single scramble Um, he also, I think had like 3% of Baltimore's design run plays. I I mean, I expect those numbers to go up. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson's for real. I think, uh, moving forward, he is just going to be producing fantasy points in a little different way than we've been seeing in the past, uh, or than we saw on Sunday. Um, I'm expecting him to kind of produce more with his legs, uh, or produce, yeah, produce more with his legs than he did on Sunday, produce a little less with his arm, uh, than he did on Sunday uh, ultimately I think that will be a very productive quarterback um, he also had like just a great matchup uh, versus Miami where they were just futile in their defense against him uh, that's not going to happen every week although he does draw a great matchup against uh, Arizona this week so uh, yeah I mean I think he's a legit play this week uh, moving forward I might though temper my expectations for him a little bit <laughs>
1: Brandon, what about you? I mean, listen, uh, I know that the Ravens are not going to average 59 points per game throughout the rest of the season. Uh, You know, there is going to be some regression here, but Lamar Jackson, uh, what do you think of him? Reality or Mirage?
3: Well, it's interesting because um, we know that his pass efficiency per dropback is not going to be anything like week one. It will never approach that. Um, But he is always a guy who has the right tournament profile for us because uh, as we know, quarterbacks that can rush and, partic- and, and possibly rush for TDs or even two TDs in a game, uh, those are great tournament plays. So I think we have to wait on him until his, his price and ownership come down, as I'm sure they will later in the season. But he's the type of player that we want in tournament lineups.
1: All righty. Um, let's go on to the next one, Stuart. I think you had written up McCaffrey and again, McCaffrey is playing on the Thursday slate, but I think it's worth talking about because he had an insane volume here of 52% of the touches. So Stuart, is that a reality mirage? What can we expect from him?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, what we saw from McCaffrey on Sunday isn't unreasonable to expect moving forward. I mean, we've seen him hit these, uh, you know, 50%, uh, you know, rushing attempt, uh, or 50% market share of rushes, uh, in the past. And I mean, you know, he's such a dynamic, uh, receiver that like, yeah, I mean it's not unreasonable to expect him to hit 50% of just touch attempts. So either rush attempt or target market share. I mean, he's done this in the past and, uh, you know, we saw Devin Funchess, uh, depart from Carolina. And to be honest, he absorbed like a, you know, a decent amount of, uh, you know volume market share and, and honestly, I mean we see like this negative correlation between Funches and McCaffrey. Like games where Funches had a lot of volume, uh, you know week uh, week seven, 2018, for example, like McCaffrey suffered and in, in games where McCaffrey is like really popping off on volume, uh, the lack of volume attributed to Funches seemed to uh, correlate with that. So I mean with Funches gone, I know last week uh, you guys talked about how we could maybe expect that to get redistributed among some of the receivers. But, uh, yeah. And, and I thought the same thing. Uh, I kind of totally missed the idea that, uh, Carolina would just reload that volume back onto their like best player in the So, um, yeah, I don't think it's crazy to expect, uh, I mean, 50%, we don't see him hit like that, that often, like, you know, where you can just like lock McCaffrey in for 50% of Carolina touches, but like, it's going to happen. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, For the right price, he makes a ton of ascension cash games and should always be a tournament consideration just given how much volume uh, we can project him to get.
1: What about you, Brandon? What's your thoughts on Christian McCaffrey? Are you going to be, you know, is it reality Mirage? What do you think of the situation going on there?
3: Well, uh, one wonders if maybe uh, Cam falling off from his peak is associated with McCaffrey sort of really hitting his stride. I don't, I, I mean, Cat... Maybe it's like Cam's safety valve. I I don't know. Um, For me, uh, it's been a surprising performance from McCaffrey, and I've tended to avoid him both in cash and tournaments. For tournaments, it's, again, the upside versus the salary. The salary got to high levels pretty quickly, and I'm uh, quite surprised when he hits numbers like he did last week. For cash, um, I mean, in retrospect, you wish you did it last week, but I wouldn't have considered it, and I've rarely played him in cash. Um, it's always advisable to play high-priced running backs when when they're feasible in cash because their distributions are tighter. Uh, and because the site has the problem that they're pricing cash games and huge tournaments at the same time, they tend to, um, they tend to price running backs in a way where they have higher projected fantasy points per dollar. Um, so the tighter distribution plus the higher projected fantasy points per dollar make you want to spend up at running back in general. Last week we didn't do it because there was some clear chalk around the 6k price point, but, um, I don't see myself playing much McCaffrey in either cash or tournaments this year.
1: All righty. Let's go on to the next one. And it's Derek Henry. Uh, You know, listen, I'm not the biggest Titans fan. I thought this offense would absolutely stink. I also thought the Browns would come out swinging and be awesome. But uh, they were not so good. A little bit of reality check uh, week one that, you know, there are teams in the league, they get paid to to play football. So uh, what do you think of uh, Derek Henry and this Titans offense, Stuart? Because there's not a lot of weapons there. And if there's not a lot of weapons, maybe Derek Henry just becomes, you know, a wrecking ball if they run down the field a ton.
2: Yeah, I mean the more and more I've looked, um, oh, it might be muted. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh yeah, the more and more I've looked at, it, I mean, I don't know, maybe I just ran into some luck with Derrick Henry. And I also was like very high in Cleveland. I, I had a lot of kind of Baker Odell, Baker Higgins, Baker Njoku, uh in tournaments. But uh I don't know. I mean Derrick Henry starting kind of midway through last year has been this guy who's just like shown the ability to have very efficient games where uh you know, I don't even know that it's so much like on a play by play efficiency, but he just got like this big play ability. Um, in hindsight, like I don't necessarily know that Cleveland was the right spot, uh, to be deploying Henry. I think it kind of worked out and he had like a very efficient game, but I I don't know. I I honestly didn't see kind of the way that game went, uh, coming but uh yeah i mean i don't know i think in the right spot like he, he he's not like a cash game play and his his price is is quite high i mean six uh six thousand this week for henry is you know is getting up there for you know there i mean so many i think better options from a volume and efficiency standpoint but uh in cash plays i mean i, I think or i'm sorry in tournament uh games rather, I mean, you find the right spot for henry and he has i mean shown like earlier last year just efficiency was so low i mean half a Half a fantasy point per touch attempt, but uh towards the middle of last year and towards the end, I mean the guy has just been able to rip off some big plays. And uh I don't know if we're, you know, just benefiting from a small sample size there, but um he's definitely a guy I want to keep in mind. And um, yeah, I don't know. I I perhaps a mirage. I kind of I think coming into you know, coming out of week one I was trying to talk myself into Derrick Henry uh efficiency monster and the more and more I've thought about it, like Perhaps a mirage, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the upside is there from a tournament standpoint. Uh, I don't think like he should be X'd out uh, completely, but it's uh, kind of my Derek Henry take.
1: All right. What about you, Brandon? I mean, Derek Henry, listen, it's hard to sell me on Derek Henry. I'm not the biggest Derek Henry believer, but he he's like, he's this offense. Like there's not a lot there in that offense in general. Uh, so Brandon, uh, give me the scoop on Derek Henry. Are you believing it?
3: Well, uh, I have him pegged as the type of guy that you might want to, Want to lock in your multi-entry for FanDuel? Yes, I knew um, you'd like that because he's a tournament guy.
1: <laughs> he is such a tournament player. No one stunts his stuff. Well, he's you know?
3: your FanDuel tournament guy. He's your FanDuel tournament guy. Yes. As we we talked about how I like to do my lineups by hand. And there's something that happens between the price point of $20 and $9, where for $20, I'll do the lineup by hand. For $9, I'll mass multi-entry. and And also, the competition is so week on those FanDuel tournaments that even though Chalk is widely owned it can be advisable to play Chalk anyway so uh, yeah FanDuel just lo- lock Derrick Henry in for one of your RB slots and and just uh, play optimals after that I think it might work out FanDuel I, I, as all our viewers know FanDuel is half half point PPR so it it suits players like Derrick Henry who who you hope to get two TDs
1: yeah, that makes it a little bit easier. Listen, let's go to the next one. because uh, And these are all the air yards monsters, right? Uh, we got Deshaun Jackson in that revenge game. We got John Brown paired with Josh Allen just airing the ball out a ton. I mean, these are some home run hitters, and these are guys that help you win tournaments. They help you take everything down. So, uh, Stuart, are we buying these guys? Because, like, Deshaun Jackson, when he was with the Bucks, I mean, he, he increased the air yards of Jameis Winston and uh, Fitzmagic. And I'm assuming Deshaun Jackson, when he's with Wentz, he's going to increase his air yards as well and increase – you know the opportunity for that stack to just hit so yeah
2: i got i got one buy and one sell um between brown and jackson and and jackson's gonna be uh my sell i mean i I, to me i just like he was an air air yards beast with tampa bay last year and like i mean that that, don't get me wrong tampa bay had a, a very strong receiving core last year but uh you know, he's, he's entering, you know, this Philly offense that just got like a ton of weapons. I mean, uh, you know, if we just look at our, you know, mean, uh, air yards over the last season plus week one, like there's just a lot of mouths to feed between Ertz and Jeffrey. I mean, these guys are guys who command a lot of air yards and are going to command a lot of targets. And I don't know. I just like, I, I have a hard time seeing Jackson just being, like that de facto guy. I think I mean and like he did with Tampa Bay, I think he's gonna have weeks where he pops off um in an air yards uh context. But I mean I just think there's so many mouths to feed where there's these other guy, you know, Ertz, there's gonna be games where they're feeding him, you know, half of their air yards. Uh, you know, Jeffrey is a guy who's just gonna command a lot of targets and downfield targets. I have a hard time just seeing Jackson on a consistent basis being this guy that um, you know is going to be getting all of philadelphia's downfield looks and um you know coming off a big week where i'm sure uh there might be a little more ownership on him i think this is an opportunity and his price is up like this is an opportunity where i might fade him um but like as he's want to do i mean i think there will be uh you know games where he doesn't he gets overshadowed by Ertz, jeffrey um and then, you know, that might be a good opportunity to, to, to run Jackson back. I think he's just going to be very up and down. But uh, I'm saying mostly Mirage here, at least from a kind of cash and consistency standpoint. John Brown, on the other hand, um, I, I mean, I, I was very high on John Brown coming into the season. And I think he, uh, you know, really just solidified what I was expecting uh, him to be for uh this buffalo offense i mean the guy is just lives downfield uh robert foster's in here but i mean he's been kind of phased out by what john brown has provided and i mean john brown is just living downfield and uh i don't know is there a quarterback with buffalo who wants to push the ball downfield uh if so like why can't we expect this to be uh a play that we can rely on um Additionally, I mean, just Buffalo in general has, uh, between McDermott and Brian Dabble, uh, a very kind of air yards, uh, happy offense. They are, uh, you know, ranking near the top leading into this week in terms of how many, uh, you know, air yards we're expecting them to throw um, and how many pass plays we're expecting them to throw. Here they are right here on our Uh, At the moment, kind of projections for Sunday, they're they're expected to kind of throw the six most air yards behind lesser offenses like Miami, Arizona. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think John Brown's going to be a beast for Buffalo this year. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to week two quarterbacks in a second. But I mean, I think the John Brown, uh, Josh Allen combo has a lot of upside uh, moving forward, so uh, yeah, I think I think it
1: has a lot of upside this week, Stuart. Like this is a great week to run it out there. I think it's a good idea, uh, Brandon. Do you have anything to touch on those two guys, Jackson and Brown? Or do you want to just dive into the positional breakdown?
3: On Brown, I think we found the advanced sports analytics perfect play. He uh, he fits the the coaching tendencies of Arizona towards the run. He's the type of player that has uh big big air yards a perfect tournament distribution not a cash guy historically and i probably wouldn't go go there this week but tournaments he's your perfect play he has the breakout games um and uh he's a perfect pairing with Josh Allen who we also like this week um and then as i noted um we wouldn't have necessarily expected Buffalo to be a 13 point favorite over Arizona. That might be a couple points more than expected. Um, That suggests maybe, uh, maybe Vegas thinks that this offense is better than, better than consensus or, or, or better than uh, general public might, might think. So um, maybe uh, it's a big performance coming for, for Brown and Allen. I'll be there. Also, just one last kind of stat to chime
2: in with. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you do see these big performances against a bad defense where you're like, a, you know, might, might uh, be kind of fool's gold. I mean, no defensive coordinator has been better at limiting air yards than the New York Jets' uh, Greg Williams. So, I mean, to see Brown just have such an air yard happy performance against a defense that, in general, uh, is able to limit those type of downfield. Attempts, I mean, is is quite shocking. And, I mean, I, I don't see why uh, John Brown can't uh, light it up this week against a Giants team that uh, just got absolutely destroyed by Dallas and kind of their downfield threat. Uh,
1: this week so yeah definitely think that allen you know run the josh allen with the john brown maybe pair it with an evan ingram pair it with a saquon barkley i think that's a a great way to go this week let's dive into the positional breakdown though uh and brandon talk about quarterbacks to me because listen i'm not in love with quarterback my first guy that kind of jumped out to me was josh allen uh, which is a perfect segue here he's probably my favorite guy in this range like i think he's too cheap but if i have the money i don't mind going up to a tom brady who I was kind of poo-pooing on an earlier pod, but, like, they're just going to put up so many points in New England and just realized that was a bad take. So, um, yeah, I think Josh Allen is definitely the guy, but Tom Brady's certainly in play, and I haven't played Tom Brady since, like, many years ago, it feels like. But uh, what about you, Brandon? How are you approaching the quarterback position this week?
3: So uh, one thing that has happened that is worth noting is that um, over the past three or four years, DraftKings has condensed their quarterback pricing. There used to be more spread between the top tier and the, and the low tier. So you should kind of tend towards top tier more than, more than was previously the case. And that's especially true on weeks where you have some cheap chalk, which are arguably we do have this week. Um, So I think you should tend towards paying up for the premium tier one QBs. Um, QBs it is true that there are a lot of QBs that are in contention for top three performances, but the top tier are much less likely to ruin your lineups. And um, I think with the salaries being as they are this week, you should err towards the the clear best plays. So you should stick with a, a lot of Mahomes. I think the price differential is perfectly reasonable and it's extremely unlikely that he disappoints you um Brady is a good play as well um I prefer him for smaller field things and Mahomes for uh bigger fields Lamar Jackson is a reasonable play uh Dak is a great play and uh Josh Allen uh is a strong play if you need a little bit of savings so that's kind of where I am uh I will take some chances on golf and as well, and perhaps car. Um, But yeah, I think don't get, don't get too fancy at quarterback. It would be reasonable if Mahomes was high owned and you played him anyway.
1: All right, Stuart, let's head to you. Quarterback position, how are you approaching it? Because it's, it's not my favorite week for quarterbacks this week.
2: Yeah, honest. I mean, I was right there with you guys, with Brady. Like, uh, that's a posi- quarterback's position that I think correlates well with just how many points we can expect the team to score. And, like, obviously the Patriots are going to be expected to put up monster numbers. I think uh, we have them as, like, 22% probability to be the top team score on the slate in terms of real points. And... I mean, I know that sounds like low, like one in five chance, but I mean that's very, very high. I think they're like two, two times uh, as probable to be the top team on the slate compared to the next best team, which is Kansas City. I mean, I don't know. Am I crazy to think that there is some risk of, you know, Belichick just like pulling Brady? We we do know that's a team that, when given the opportunity, can become run heavy. Um, I don't know. I've kind of been finding myself talking myself away from Brady. Um, uh, But yeah, Jackson was a guy that I think up until this morning was like, there's no way I'm playing anyone but Lamar Jackson in cash, just like the perfect matchup against uh, Arizona, if you can have a more perfect matchup than Miami last week. Uh, But yeah, I have actually been finding myself uh, creeping towards Josh Allen. I mean, when you look at Allen versus Jackson, they're uh, their metrics are like extremely similar uh, just in terms of per drop back fantasy efficiency, uh, their tendency to run the ball, especially in the red zone, uh, both on a designed run play or uh, via scramble. Uh, I guess where Jackson like differentiates himself is the expected pace we can, uh, you know, the, the pace we can expect him to play it going up against Arizona. But I don't know. I mean, for over a thousand less, I'm finding... It difficult to stay away from Josh Allen. Um, I don't know. I mean, you said you know lower price quarterbacks like have a risk of ruining your lineup. I mean, Josh Allen has a risk of ruining you know Sunday if you're a Bills fan. If you're a fantasy owner, though, I don't know. I mean, the guy just plays bad real football, but really good fantasy football in terms of just his ability to push the ball downfield, take off and run. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued by Josh Allen. Uh, some tournament plays. Uh, I don't know. I might be tempted, probably mistakenly, to to look for some cheap plays. I mean, is is uh, is is Gardner Minshew like completely out of the realm of possibility uh, at his price, or am I just like talking my trying to get too cute uh, with just going all the way down? To the I, I I
3: think that's a good tournament play for sure.
1: I mean, the thing about Gardner Minshew is he's going to help you get in, guys. If it helps you jam in players, that's fine. I, I, I mean, you can listen. If you get, you're probably going to have to pair him up with someone, right, though? You want to pair him with, some, like, D.D. Westbrook, who obviously has, like, getting a ton of volume. So maybe maybe do, like, the Gardner Minshew, pair him up with Fournette, and pair him up with D.D. So uh, that's a route that you can obviously go to as well. Um, anything else like quarterback, brainer? or you want to head on over to the running backs?
3: Yeah, that's about it. I mean, I would say I would say keep it simple and try to get top tier quarterbacks. Um, Of course, if you're playing a 300,000 person tournament, you can take some chances with guys that have flashed upside historically like a Stafford or a Breeze, but I I won't be doing much of that.
1: Yep. All right, let's go over to running backs. And At the top, we got Barkley against Buffalo, but do you pay 9200 That's expensive. I kind of like going down to Kamara at 8200 in that Rams-Saints game, which is going to have a ton of scoring, I'm sure. It's the highest total of the week, so got to load up on that game. Love Kamara in that spot. Then we got 7200 We got Dalvin Cook, who you know we saw how much usage he got. Uh, absolute usage monster. Uh, Brandon, we'll kick it back to you. Uh, what are you doing at the top with running back? Because Barkley's a guy I don't expect that you're paying for.
3: In cash this, uh, this week, it might be a week to pay up for running back. I haven't, I haven't been deep enough in there. He's the type of guy uh, I, I might consider paying up for. In cash, of course, it's a totally different animal where you're looking for tight distributions, high projected fantasy points per dollar. And much unlike tournaments, negative correlation is desirable. So it can be quite reasonable to pair up uh, Josh Allen, John Brown, and Saquon Barkley, whereas that would be suicide in a tournament. Um, so I, I haven't been deep enough into construction, but if we come upon Josh Allen as our, as our best cash game tournament play and John Brown is in, the, is in contention, then it can be quite reasonable to play uh, Barkley with Brown and Allen. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't dismiss it out of hand. We have plenty of mid-price guys that are, that are great plays. Jacobs, Eckler, White, Connor, Aaron Jones. Uh, there's, there's plenty of value and, uh, it might be the type of week we have to wait close to lock to determine exactly how much value we have at spots like tight ends. What, what can we fit and what can't we fit?
1: Yeah, because there is value throughout the industry. Like a cheap running back that could be in plays. If Le'Veon Bell is out, we don't know. Uh, But, you know, a a Ty Montgomery could pop up as a guy that's just going to get so much uh, run and stuff. Uh, Stuart, how are you paying at the top? And then if you could dive into like the 6K range, because uh, in that 6K range, I mean, Carson is really interesting. Fournette's not a bad play. Eckler, with, you know, the tight end situation, no Hunter Henry is going to help Eckler a ton. And those receivers are banged up over there. Uh, you know, we talked about Derek Henry before Marlon Mack got a ton run, So the six K range is interesting too. So talk about the top and then just dive into the six K range. after.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm totally with you, uh, Travis on Camara. Um, I mean, Saquon makes sense if you're going to try to do a game stack against Buffalo, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the price is quite rich on, uh, on, uh, Saquon and, and Camara looked, I mean, very good, uh, against Houston. And, um, you know i think is 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 in line to draw another good matchup where uh yeah if i'm paying up it's going to be camara and and that's where i mean like for me kind of the going not to like to go too back uh too far back to quarterback but like to me that's the crux is like do you pay up to get a premium quarterback and just completely avoid kind of that high tier running back or do you pay down a quarterback so you can squeeze in a guy like camara uh we'll see how it goes um yeah six again kind of uh it has become interesting to me. I was thinking I'd be off Eckler uh, just, you know, price getting too high, but now all of a sudden Hunter Henry's out and um, you know, Los Angeles is dinged up in the receiving core. And I mean, that's a guy like Eckler. We, I think touched on it last week. Um, his per touch efficiency is just insane. Uh, and, you know, with no Melvin Gordon, I think it's hard. I mean, yeah, what I, let's see. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, hold on. I got to pull up the, per touch numbers but I think he's like somewhere around like you know one two or to one four I think like per touch attempt I mean the guy is going to be um you know if given the volume in such a smash spot given uh the injuries there uh we were high on Mark Ingram last week and uh I'm inclined to run Mark Ingram back I mean Baltimore at the moment projects as our second highest uh run play total um of the teams on the slate. And we do have Washington on top. I'm not really sure how I see that working out. Uh, the algorithm must be liking them for some reason, but I mean, Baltimore, such a good spot, uh, you know, to be ahead and be running the ball. And uh, Ingram was incredible last week, given the blowout If Arizona can keep it closer, uh, but still play at that fast pace. And from behind, like I just don't see how Ingram and in kind of this lead back role that he's in uh, can't, can't, you know put up a lot of points uh and the guy's efficient like i don't know i feel like ingram gets this rap as being like i don't know not that good or something but uh i mean his per touch efficiency is is really strong uh almost uh you know a fantasy a DraftKings point per touch attempt uh be it a, be a handoff or, or a target uh so yeah i like ingram again um and i don't know i'm also intrigued by some of the lower guys uh there's some injuries that are opening up uh, some plays in Washington. Uh, I don't know. I just can't see myself playing Adrian Peterson, but I do think for tournaments, Chris Thompson makes sense if Dallas gets ahead early and Washington has to revert to pass. Uh, Gio Bernard, pretty efficient guy, both uh, on the ground air like that. If Mixon's out and, um, and yeah, Breda as well, kind of a dual threat running back. And uh, then there's also Josh Jacobs, who I think will be a very chalky play, but uh is one of these guys who benefits from the Monday game where the prices come out before we see his week one uh, performance. And he looked good on Monday Um, and, you know, seems like maybe the the most talented kind of offensive weapon in that Oakland offense. And at four seven, I mean, he's just massively underpriced. So uh, I do think that's a strong play there as well.
1: Yeah. Brandon, Matt Breed is a guy I like at 5,200 with Coleman being out. I think he's a really good play that Stewart brought up as well. Uh, Who are some of the cheaper running backs that you're looking at, Brandon?
3: So I think this is a this is a week where we're really going to have to wait, like right down to it. One hundred percent right. Be, I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm going to be sorting the the cheaper running backs really Sunday morning for the most part, and and as we know, um, it gets quite hard to play the cheaper running backs in either cash or tournaments when you have strong chalk at. 4,700 like Jacobs at 6,000 at 5,000, because um, they just, they tend not to project well enough. I mean, um, they tend to have, even at their best projection, about the same number of touches as the 6K guys we like or the 5K guys we like and less efficiency. So, um I'm not sure it's a week we're going to go there, although the, the low guys are definitely worth considering for tournaments.
1: All righty. Anything else at running back, Stuart, or do you want to head on over to the receiver position? Yeah, I got nothing else at RB. All righty. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you hit it pretty well, Brandon. We got to wait and see with a lot of the running back stuff and how the week's going to develop, but a lot of good plays in there that we mentioned and brought up let's talk about a receiver. And uh, you know, I'm thinking of a guy that benefited from the Monday pricing and I know he's a cheap guy. It's Tyrell Williams, the gazelle. I think he's going to be a guy that it's going to be a really chalky option, but at the top, You know, there's a lot of different ways you can go. And again, we have to figure out what's going to go on at running back before we can really figure out receiver. That's at least the way that I work. But at the top, there's two guys that I think are really intriguing. Uh, I think Juju against Seattle is a guy that is a good bounce back candidate. Keenan Allen, too. He's another guy to mention with the injuries going on. He could really benefit from the volume. But Michael Thomas at 8K is a guy that I love. I think he's probably the best guy if you have to pick one receiver at the top. Uh, We'll kick it over to you, Brandon. Uh, What are you doing at the receiver position this week?
3: So, uh i think i'll I think I'll end up with uh the top some of the top price guys and then a scattering of like low price guys like uh cortland sutton john Brown guys that can flash big upside. We might even put Josh Gordon in the category of uh low to mid price guys that could pop Josh Gordon as a Miami guy, I can tell you, uh, spends a lot of time in Miami and it is the type of game that he would really like to get up for. Um, I, uh, and he has that kind of potential, like, of course, Edelman is the, the workhorse wide receiver, the sort of machine, like kind of efficient grind it out, grind out the 20 point victory. He's, he's a guy we could expect to have a big performance he will be very popular um I love Gordon for tournaments as the the much less owned guy that could really pop um I think uh Tyrell will be extremely popular Juju um Beasley on our on our non-John Brown lineups uh Hopkins how can you not love a guy that uh that body slams the opposition and then, and then trash talks the NFL for not allowing such things. Um, Cortland Sutton, Amari Cooper, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Christian Kirk, Keenan Allen was a bit of a, a target monster for week one, didn't have the performance, but we might expect that he could get there this week that's, that's about where I am.
1: Yeah. Some other guys, I mean, you can throw some darts at those Rams, uh, you know, all those Rams receivers, they obviously have that term and upside and, you know, they kind of going to spread some ownership thin between them all. Cause everyone takes different shots. Another guy in the mid tier, Alan Robinson. I mean, we saw him really uh, look really, really good last week and with Mitch Trubisky targeting him a ton. So I think he's someone that's certainly in play. Uh, Stuart, talk to me about the receiver position. How are you handling it this week?
2: Yeah. I mean, totally with you guys on Juju. I mean, I think his price, uh, you know, is quite low for where we can expect him. Uh Pittsburgh tends to be a pretty pass heavy offense with Randy Fitchner. Um so yeah, love Juju. Um also love D Hop. I mean the guy has just I mean he there are a few receivers as consistent as he is and just in terms of just like owning his offense's volume. I mean just like he's so prolific in Uh, the red zone. So prolific really at all points in the field. Like I do like Deandre Hopkins a good deal. And uh, I mean, I'd go so far on Josh Gordon to say that he's like a viable cash play. Um, I don't know. Julian Edelman at six, nine feels like a lot. And uh, you know, Gordon is just such a downfield threat. I have a hard time believing that uh, new England is not going to be able to get loose for a couple big plays. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gordon ends up in my cash lineup at all. Um, I think he's due for a really big week, uh, especially, and, and, and with New England, I want to see what happens with Antonio Brown. I am assuming he's not going to play. I don't know. I haven't seen like a ton of news on what the expectation is, but I just can't see how they get Antonio Brown out there in a significant role. And, and if not, I mean, Gordon's the one guy on New England that can really take the top off the defense. So, um, I love Gordon, uh, Tyrell Williams totally agree. I mean, the price is, uh, is very good on Tyrell. Um. I mean the question I have, like, we've talked about Jacobs, we're talking about Tyrell, and I imagine we'll get to Darren Waller at tight end. Like, how many Oakland Raiders is too many Oakland Raiders? I mean, they looked they looked good on Monday. Um, but I don't know, I just like to me that does feel like a ceiling performance for just like that offense as a whole. And I don't know, I just can't justify playing uh like I mean, it certainly can't justify playing three Raiders and have a hard time even justifying playing two Raiders.
1: Um, no, that's that, that's a good point, Stuart. I will say, like, I think I saw this stat. Someone posted it on Twitter, and I wish I could quote who it was. Um, one of the guys that does a lot of football stuff, maybe in a pro football-focused guy or something, but it was like Derek Carr um, was the QB2 and the QB4 last year, I think, against Kansas City. So, like, And if they're going to be trailing, they're going to be passing a ton. Like, Waller is certainly in play. Uh, We can just segue to tight end because there's a lot going on at tight end. Like, of course, Kittle against the Raiders. Who doesn't want that? I mean, or not Kittle against the Raiders, Kelsey against the Raiders. Who doesn't want that? Especially with no Tyree kill, there's more volume, more opportunity. He's a great spend-up option. Kittle, he's an interesting guy against Cincinnati, but if you look, Evan Ingram in that game environment and with the volume he could be seeing with Shepard dealing with an injury, that's intriguing. I even know Hunter Henry's got an injury, so there's some cheap guys. Mark Andrew had a really good uh, week are you buying that? Uh, there's one other guy. Waller was one I was thinking of, and there's one more I'm blanking on. Oh, it's Hawkinson, right? So, so many air yards, and you expect him to possibly trail on against the uh, Chargers. You know, is that a mirage? Is that reality? Um, we'll kick it off with you, Brandon. How are you handling the tight ends?
3: So, um, with Waller, I think he will be extremely popular. Um, it is notable that in terms of the team... Projected points per team fantasy dollars, Oakland is gonna rate very high this week. Um, you essentially have five guys that are likely to score all the points in Jacobs, Carr, Williams, Waller, and Richard. And with you could you could do uh, reasonable lineups by just saying, all right, Jacobs and no carr or Waller, Williams, Carr. Some car with Williams and some car with Williams and Waller. Um, I, I think it's a it's a pretty nice team to f- focus on for tournaments. Um, other than than Waller, it it kind of feels like a a pay down at tight end week because the chalk is pretty strong. Um, so. I think you could have, sprinkle in some some Hawkinson. You could sprinkle a lot of Waller, and um, then kind of have some pay up lineups. With I'll, I'll probably be like 75 percent pay down and twenty five percent pay up for Kelsey Kittle Ingram.
1: Alrighty, Stu, uh, Stuart, talk to me. Uh, we're running low on time, so but I want you to do something for the people. Brandon last week talked about your site, uh, Advanced Sports Data I want you to give kind of a quick breakdown to people what they can see with it. Then give your tight end breakdown, and then uh, you know I'll, I'll talk about stacks for everyone. We'll go through our stacks and we'll get up out of here.
2: Yeah, I mean I think the goal with ASA is just to make uh, data accessible to you know our users. Uh, there's a lot of good data out there that I think just requires like a lot of data cleaning and work to really aggregate in a usable way. And I think we work really hard to take like immense amounts of raw data. And I mean, not even like the full universe of data that's out there, but, but what we have access to and try to put it together in usable tools, uh, with an interface so that people can, uh, easily and quickly. I mean, I think when you're dealing with like injuries on Sundays, like being able to pivot quickly is so important. Uh, so trying to aggregate that data in a usable way, um, so that people, yeah, can, can get the information that they need. If you have a question about like what, you know, what, what data point do we want to see? Um, and how do we want to respond to that? Uh, giving people access like to those data points through our tools. So I think that's our primary focus. Um, tight end. Lastly, I mean, you know, I'm kind of in line with Brandon. See myself paying up a little bit for Kelsey and Kittle, but for the most part, uh, going Ingram and down. Uh, Waller I like a lot I mean I'm not super high on the Oakland stack Uh, just as a whole like their team point probability to be the top on the slate you know we really got to come down here I mean they're they're a two to three percent probability of topping the slate I just don't see how that can support uh, three guys or even two and just Waller being the cheapest among Jacobs and Tyrell um, to me makes the most sense and also like to me seems least dependent on uh, positive game script so I like Waller a lot Delaney is another guy I'll throw out there uh, Tennessee kind of sneaky high uh, point to- total and our projections for them uh, you know really going off is, is higher than I think I would have expected uh, Delaney you know is a guy that could garner a lot of targets in the red zone uh, you know if-, if Tennessee finds themselves there a lot so that's a play I'm kind of interested in tournaments but probably a lot of Ingram and Waller for me this week in tight in
1: all right, let's end it off with stacks. Brandon, give me your favorite stack. Uh, your favorite contrarian one, right? Let's not mention the Rams. We know that game is a great one. So uh, that's the one we'll keep off the board. But give me one stack that you really like this week.
3: Well, uh, I think it will be contrarian enough to play Buffalo. And uh, I think that will be likely my biggest tournament stack.
1: All right, Stu, how about you? Uh, you know, Brandon took the easy one. Uh, what, what's yours? I, I, I'm one that's off the board, so I, I feel comfortable and no one's taking mine.
2: Yeah. Oh, man, I do like Buffalo and New York with, with you know, the possibility of running back Ingram I like a lot. Um, ooh. I mean, the the quarterback is not contrarian, but I don't see why we can't have another big Ingram Jackson uh, kind of run heavy stack against Arizona like uh I don't know. I want to go Buffalo, uh, New York, but uh, that that's kind of off the board. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested in uh, kind of an Ingram Jackson unconventional running back quarterback stack. Uh, maybe that's crazy, though. I don't know. But that's my pick. All
1: right. And mine is totally off the board and it's got a higher total than both your guys games. It's Seattle and it's the Steelers. And the thing I like about it, Russell Wilson, Carson, and you can go with like a Lockett or a Metcalf, just so much condensed targets there. Right. Uh, And then you can run it back with Juju, who we know is going to get loaded up with targets. So that is my contrarian stack. We got to get up out of here, guys, though. Thanks a lot for joining us. We will be back next week for this show. Excited to be doing this show with you guys, with Stuart and Brandon. Uh, For me, Travis Mangone. For Stuart, Brandon Adams, we are out of here.